The future of Bangladesh depends on people like you. We are a group of friends who left Dhaka in the early 80s and been working in strategic consulting, international development, diplomatic services, and even one of us built a very large business. Now we want to bring something back to Bangladesh. We want to bring through this platform, through this podcast, our network, our knowledge, and work with you together to shape the future of Bangladesh. Let's go to the kind of the, the basics of the problem. Yes. The basics of the problem is that we have the virus in the air. Well, assuming that there was an infected person, the, fact the person wasn't wearing a mask, and as a result of this, there's the, vi the, the virus is in the air. So the main focus and the main, main aim is to remove the virus from the air. What is the simplest way of doing this? By ventilation. The most, the easiest example to understand is open windows. If you have windows, you increase ventilation, you remove the virus from the air, remove from the indoor environment. Of course, not all the interiors have windows. Buildings, public buildings in modern cities don't have windows at all. They are ventilated by mechanical systems. Even if there are windows, you can't keep them open if it's too cold or too hot and so on. So we resort to other means of providing ventilation to, to the interiors and in particular mechanical ventilation. So this... Every building has a HVAC system, heating, air conditioning, and ventilation system. It is the question how it works, how it, how it operates. Can you turn it up in terms of increasing ventilation so there is more fresh air provided to remove the air contaminated from, from inside? In many situations, this is possible. In some situations, it is more difficult or even not possible if the system is set such that it uses only recirculated air. So it takes air from the room, gets it through a same, a same filtration system and brings it back to the room. In principle, this should work because this filtration system in principle should have removed contaminants like, like viruses, but it doesn't necessarily always work, so it can bring, and it often does bring back the, the contaminants. But this is, as I said, this is the main principle and main idea, remove the virus from the air by ventilation. Efficient ventilation? Yeah. yeah. Let me pose this question then. As I think about, again, putting on my chemical engineer's hat, would be ventilation circulates or recirculates if you're recirculating the air, but how do you push it out completely? Because I could also make the case that you are making the concentration of the virus smaller or reducing the concentration. You are not completely eliminating them because there is some we engineers call residence time. If you are you know, in reactor, you have plug flow reactor, continuous third flow reactor, we engineers use them all the time. So what is the residence time of the virus? Depends on the concentration. If it is highly concentrated, it will take longer. But if it is very thinly concentrated, it could be reduced, you know, much more quickly. So is there any thinking around that, you know, sort of the residence time? And I suppose, you know, if you have faster ventilation, it would be, of course, residence time would be shorter. Quickly, you can disseminate. Disseminate, the word is also somewhat confusing because you are basically getting it out of the house, so to speak, you know, into the open atmosphere. Well, What is your thinking around 
because the word removing sounds to me you are completely you know removing them getting them out of the house but it's not completely removing them but reducing the concentration inside the house to a safe yeah. level yeah 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 you're right this this is a proper proper terming it's reducing the concentration so removing some part of this it's never removing 100% but in yep. in this case we are not aiming necessary at 100% it is the reduction below the level it creates risk one aspect of this we are removing it outside or reducing concentration inside well one can ask and people are asking whether we are creating a problem by having it outside but this is not really a problem under most circumstances because the concentrations outside will be very low because of very high dilution considering the reservoir outside and also outside the virus is much less stable for example because of the uv radiation of the sun so of course there could be specific situations like that situation in the amoy gardens which i which i mentioned or if there's a particular bypass from one room from which we are removing the virus and it goes to the neighbors just next door so such situations could be possible but in principle once it is out in the outdoor air so it stops creating stops being a problem being a risk in terms of thinking what to do about this there's much more than thinking there are quantitative methods how to quantify risk and therefore what to do to reduce risk several years or almost 10 years ago we've published two papers based on equations proposed in 1930s 1940s on risk assessment which link the quanta emitted or quanta necessary for infection with the exposure time with the ventilation rate and calculating the infection risk we've done this for a simulation in a hospital in brisbane we've done this for a car trip imagine that you are traveling in a car with a sick passenger and then dependently on the duration of the trip and on the ventilation setting of the car the probability of infection increases this is quantified for this particular virus we've published a paper proposing a method taking this feather in terms of taking the size distribution of exhaled droplets content of viral content and then what happens with it in indoor space dependently on ventilation and time and so this method then we've applied to retrospective cases showing whether this would explain what happened and also how to use it prospectively the second paper is under review will probably be accepted soon and there are other colleagues doing similar things which means doing quantitative analysis of the risk so this is the tools are there the tools are developing it is just to think about this problem seriously and use this tool absolutely what is the role of wearing mask This seems to be the the main question everybody is asking and the most controversial question well masks are very efficient in preventing first of all of virus being exhaled by a person if a mask is worn reasonably a good fraction a significant fraction is captured by the mask and likewise the mask prevents a wearer from inhaling the virus laden droplet nothing is 100% but if we are talking about 50 60 70% in our, one of our studies where we investigated the efficiency of masks in containing pseudomonas pseudomonas is a bacteria 
which often infects cystic fibrosis people. Masks, what we've showed were, and all kinds of masks which we investigated were shown, were to a high degree efficient. So yes, mask is mask wearing mask is definitely one of the strategies to limit infection transmission. But it is, there are complexities with this. First of all, humans are not born to wear masks all the time. So it takes a lot of discipline to wear a mask properly. I've worn masks on several occasions before, but it was only at the beginning of this pandemic when I traveled from Australia to Europe, where I already realized the risk was too high not to wear a mask. And wearing masks on a long, for that many hours on a long flight as I said, it takes discipline. You can't drink, you can't eat unless you do something about this. Touching yourself, you sleep, the mask moves. You want to scratch yourself, you can't, then you have to remember not to touch the mask from the front because it could be uh, contaminated. So your mind is uh, continuously focused on, on that mask. As I said, this is not natural to most people wearing masks, but it's possible. So discipline of wearing the mask, properly applying the mask, uh, this is, has been my pet interest, not only in relation to, to this pandemic, but much earlier, watching what people do when they wear masks to prevent them against air pollution. So how the masks sit on the tip of the nose, below the nose, and so on. And then, and then I was explaining occasionally to my colleagues, where well, you are wearing the mask, but the mask is not doing anything because it is sitting below your nose. So you're basically kidding yourself that this is doing anything. And there are many, many situations, just watch the, new, watch the news, just a random news from any place in the world and just watch how many people don't wear masks properly. So this is another aspect, wearing the mask properly and fit of the mask. But one of the, also an important aspect is that there are no recommendations or clear recommendations when the masks, in which situations are the mask really critical and, and where they are not necessary. So if you are on a crowded bus or in a crowded um, shopping center, when you are close to other people, very close to other people, well, regardless of how good ventilation is, you are not safe because you are too close to people and somebody infected sneezing or coughing at you or breathing for a too long period of time on that bus is likely to infect you or possibly. So then wearing mask is the only solution. But on the other hand, if you are walking in a park, on a beach, you don't need a mask. Again, unless that park is packed that you are touching arms with somebody, which is not normally the case. So asking people to wear masks continuously all the time when being outside house is an overdoing this. And this results with people, well, stop being diligent about what they do. The masks are getting wet. They stop being efficient. So explaining clearly, if you are working work in the park, Walking on a street, which is not too busy, you don't need a mask. But as soon as you work crowded area or uh, indoor environment, that's when you put your mask. You make sure that you don't touch your mask with your hands. How many times we see politicians not very comfortable with the situation and touching the mask here. So you don't do this because then you, you, if, the, if it's contaminated, then you grab it on your hands. And then you put in that mannerism, you put it in, into your mouth. So... All these factors need to be taken into account from individual point of view. But on a population base, wearing masks in places where the virus can be in the air are very important. 
yeah, is useful for both the wearer and also people around him or her to minimize the spread of, of the aerosols That's as right. well. What else? What other things? We talked about ventilation. We talked about mask. Any other measures people can take to minimize exposure to the aerosolized virus? Well, overcrowding is one critical aspect as well. And it is important in relation to the large droplets, which don't travel far, but the concentrations of the larger droplets, of any droplets in the close proximity to the person exhaling them is the highest. The plume is the, has the highest concentration of all droplets next to, the, next to the infected person. So putting people apart, it's a very important measure. So reducing overcrowding. We call the social distancing. Is that social, same that's interpretation? Right, yeah. okay. That's right. Yeah, social distancing. So, but social distancing, but also overcrowding in that sense. If you have too many people, then the removal of the air or the air exchange rate or the amount of air per person needs to be higher. So it is. It is not only the the, the close distance, but also the issue of the requirement for higher ventilation if there are more people in a particular space, which means prevention of this inhalation of the small droplets which float in the air. So this, this is another important measure. So, well, and yeah. of course, then, then the, the surfaces, uh, cleaning surfaces, particularly the surfaces which are commonly touched by people, disinfecting such surfaces. I've seen perhaps overdoing of the surfaces. It's not that all the surface around all the interiors infected because there's no reason for them to be infected. So of course we need to consider what is which surfaces are infected and clean them, but not pu putting the entire focus of infection prevention on cleaning the surfaces. Yeah, the thing though is now that I'm thinking about the aerosol, it makes me wonder everything in my house could potentially be exposed to the aerosol. Does that mean that they're not concentration not high enough, that you should worry about them? What are you saying then that, you know, other than the kitchen, you know, table or dining table where, you know, we sit and, and have dinner, those are the ones we spend more time. So they're supposed to be clean, disinfected more, as opposed to, let's say, bookshelf sitting somewhere that does not need to be clean. Well, I'm sort of looking at the bookshelf above me. So let's say I'm infected and some of the virus got deposited on, on the bookshelf. But what's the probability that somebody will come into this into my office, this, this is home office, but into my office in the, at the university and grab this book? And also, what's the probability that the concentration of the virus on this particular place in the book will be high enough to cause infections and that this person would grab this immediately after it was deposited. With time, the virus is also not active. The surface area of any interior is very large. What we exhale and what is not removed by ventilation, it's deposited somewhere, is a much less significant fraction. So as I said, the probability that this little which was deposited somewhere will be touched immediately and somebody would go walking and touching all the surfaces and then putting this, well, everything in principle, in theory can happen, but probability of something like this is very low. Yeah. So what are the areas inside the house? Let's say your office, 
inside the house you spend the most time that you would like to clean more often what else, what other spots in the house do you recommend well i wouldn't i wouldn't sort of focus on the house because in the house within the family setting that there are many more important other important potentials for infection transmission than just the surface but if we focus on public spaces so the places where we touch so any doorknobs any buttons of the lift places like this this is what's important because we all touch these places so these are the places important to touch but somewhere the bookshelf is probably not that important got it one thing that comes to mind as we are talking about you know ventilation even outside if there is no wind does that mean we need to be separated far more than if there is wind you know blowing and sort of circulating it much faster what is your thinking around that when we're outside well if we are outside and it's absolutely no no wind and absolutely still weather of course it is then possible that this virus will be more concentrated and too concentrated near us so to watch situations like this is important imagine a courtyard of a cafe in a, this completely still situation so while we are outside but it is not only contained within the courtyard there's no wind at all yes potentially it could happen and then in particular if we are spending a lot of time and in particular if there's there's always be some flow of the air diffusion there's always some movement so if it happened to be in in a wrong direction so in principle this is possible and this should be we should look at this so as an as an expert on this i'm particularly vigilant wherever i go particularly nowadays i look at the situation where's the air inlet where's the air outlet what's happening there and trying to assess the situation but something which i'd like to stress we are talking about this in relation to this pandemic to this situation but this is something which i've been doing for years just watching the air flows in in cases where there was something somebody sick in my environment we are talking about much broader issue than just this pandemic we are talking about the whole field of respiratory infection transmission after this involvement with SARS-1 epidemic and after getting into this field i realized how important it is so it's not only that we started our studies on many different levels but i also started watching my environment and then i realized that in many situations in the environments under my control i could do things to minimize infection spread so let's say a colleague uh, was visibly sick sometimes we don't know that somebody is sick if they don't say anything if they don't say symptoms but if they have cough and so on it's clear that they are sick so it wouldn't have been socially acceptable to tell them go home and link by zoom so they are part of the meeting okay so which way is going so you are not sitting here at the table you are sitting there to at uh, this door or something like this so this what i was doing in my environment at work i was doing this the same at home when the family comes for dinner on sunday with the little kids and at the beginning where the grandkids arrived i was continuously catching something from them and then i realized okay come sit or i'm sitting here while you are sitting there and we are opening the windows regardless of the temperature mind you that we are in a subtropical climate so this is not so difficult but i was watching the situation and since then i stopped 
catching colds from 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 the from the little kids. So so it is not it's not rocket science. If you are mindful of this, if you are realized that that's how infection transmission occurs, you have means to minimize this in your own environment. Yeah. Yeah, as you said, it's minimizing the risk. You cannot completely eliminate them, perhaps. Now, the general guidance that I'm hearing from you is stay upwind or as opposed to downwind from the person who may be the source of the, the virus. Because that means, you know, the air will carry the virus downwind, so to speak, in the, depending on the flow of the air. And the other part we engineers call convection versus diffusion. You mentioned diffusion. Convection is the airflow. So the direction of the airflow gives you some indication as to where you should not be to be facing the, the virus. Whereas diffusion is hard to predict because it is omnidirectional, I mean, it's spreading all directions, right? So there's not a lot of control you have when there is no convection current. Diffusion is the least important process in real indoor environments. If we conduct closed chamber experiments and the chamber is closed, there's no air movement apart from any thermal gradient if it exists. So then diffusion is a process which on a time scale of hours or even days remove the aerosol which we put in the chamber. But in any real environment, there are much more um, stronger factors and forces which affect the aerosols than diffusion. So this is the least important process to, to consider. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, Lydia, I have a couple of questions. So in the context of, say, public transport, buses, so there should be a general recommendation, windows down, no? Windows down, yes, yes. So that should be a standard thing to That's do. That's right, yeah. Because yeah. there's a plenty right, of yeah. airflow, no? That's right, yeah. Other thing would be on high-rise... One second, Suhail. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we open the window, the person sitting next to the window versus inside, the person who is inside is going to be getting exposed to the virus if the person close to the window is carrying the virus because it is the downwind is inside, so to speak. Then how do we manage that part who sits next to the window versus inside is that causing going to cause problem there's nothing we can do in terms of trying to quantify this because every bus and every situation with every window will be different what happens so it is general recommendation to increase ventilation so this virus doesn't accumulate in the air of the bus okay but if the if the bus is crowded and there are potentially sick people wear a mask Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the second question is, so in a domestic contamination sense, so if someone in a very high rise building at the top floor, the air, air pressure technically could be lower. That means these particles will be floating longer in the air. Is that the case? Or has anybody looked at it? Because if you're on a grounder, I mean, air pressure do vary, right? People live on, I live on 30th floor. <laughs> <laughs> Well, some would probably be the best person to answer what happens to this virus. And what I say to people in situations like this, this is all about flow direction. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is flow direction, which way it is going dependently on the specific conditions. And the specific conditions are the conditions of this particular building, of the wind direction, of the thermal gradient, 
uh, and so on, and also of any potential um, device operating in the house, which can be sucking the air from outside or the other way around, because the question is, where is the air coming from to this particular apartment? Is it coming from outside? Is it coming from any other way? For example, is it coming from the corridor, coming in from the corridor, going out through the window, or do you have any other vents? So there are lots of factors here, but the airflow direction is the most important. So when there was a case recently, uh, well, still going in Melbourne, that there were a lot of infections in the, in the apartment towers. So the questions were, what is the reason for this? And they asked me, and I said, well, I don't know because I don't have information about these towers, but get the engineers, building engineers, which operate these towers and, and investigate which way air is flowing in this in this tower so this would or could give you pointers what's happening there so air pressure yeah. is not an issue i probably uh, wouldn't say that this is the biggest issue considering other factors mm -hmm. which are probably stronger at play than just air pressure at this, at, at this height of the buildings if we were talking i don't know between the surface of the earth and top of mount everest well, yes, <laughs> but and, yeah, not. Yes. Incremental is not much, but because I was that... also coming to, because when you're in, inside the airplane, because I do measure that as a frequent flyer, I see that the <laughs> air pressure drops significantly uh, in the plane, although it's pressurized, but it's much less yeah. than what you and I have in the uh, outside. All this, all this uh, are factors, but the question is which are, significant which are less significant, significant exactly. factors yeah it is an engineering question in the sense that is it significant enough to be relevant yeah yeah to this because as, as uh, lydia said you know you have thermal gradient you have the density of the air at the higher elevation is low not just pressure is low but density of the air is low and then you have you know convection current is probably going to be overwhelming all the other factors that would be my mm -hmm hypothesis here as well all right what else do you have i think in terms of time we are doing pretty good we're at the top of the hour what do you think suhail so one takeaway is that if it's in a still air somebody running don't follow him or her straight <laughs> yeah, this this is one of the <laughs> practical implications what i if there's that question what else to stress at the end I'm stressing that whatever we put in place now, during this pandemic, it will be investment into our future because this pandemic hopefully will go away one way or the other. But respiratory infections affect us all the time, everywhere, several times a year, influenza, colds, and so on. Every country has estimates how many people are infected, has estimates or economic losses to this which goes in the countries I've looked at in, into billions of dollars. Of course, not all of these infections are caused by airborne transmission, but some fraction of them, a significant fraction of them are. In the highly urbanized and crowded world we live, therefore, whatever we put in place now, the realization of the significance, any practical guidelines, any standards will be a good investment for the future. Before we let you go, Lydia, would love to hear your current thinking as to what 
WHO has done so far and what you would like the recommendations should be to the extent you have a view on this. Well, we are all delighted that uh, the WHO acknowledged the significance of this mode of infection transmission, which is airborne transmission. So we are really very pleased about this and the whole world is very pleased and the whole world reacted very positively to this. Well, there still needs to improve some wording about this, which I hope that will be happening and we are very happy to help the WHO with this. But in general, the most important step has been already taken. That is terrific. Now, another, again, being the engineer, I would like to ask you also, the scientist, when you think about the risk return, you know, if we were to consider the risk that we face through aerosolized virus and the cost of doing some of the things that would be necessary, if we were to prioritize, what are the things that you think should be no-brainer, meaning it pays for itself, as we call it sometimes, you know, whereas others would require significant investment and that requires discussion and debate as to when and where those would be necessary. Any guidance on what are the things that everybody should do because it is basically no cost involved or very little cost involved, but it pays for itself right away. Well, when I listen to what different organizations or businesses do in preparation for the relaxation of lockdown rules, we hear about them saying they put the table, let's say a restaurant, they put the tables apart at the recommended distance, they disinfected the tables, they place the disinfectant at the door so everybody puts some on, on their hands. But have you heard ever Anybody saying, and we've also increased ventilation. I haven't heard this said in any situation. All the restaurants, say here in Brisbane, can do this very easily. Just open another door or open another window. So in many cases, this is just so simple to do this. In other situations, it is not that difficult either. I'm receiving tens of emails from um, building engineers saying, well, you know, and this can be done, we could do this, this can be done, we, we just need to discuss this. So in many situations, this doesn't require any investment. But of course, it's not everywhere. There are many situations that it can be done. And we need to think how in the future we design our buildings and the building engineering systems. So this is not necessarily cost involved, but, but doing this. But then if, if you compare any cost with the cost, economic losses because of infection transmission, I would put a hypothesis that the cost of doing this would be lower than the cost we are acquiring because of the infections which we face all the time. Very well said. I think that's all I have on my list of things. Anything else from Suhail? No, 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 that's good. I think we have a lot to ponder. <laughs> uh, that's good. Anything you. from your side, again, opening it up, anything we have not covered yet that you'd like to share with our audience? I think we've covered a lot. <laughs> I think, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with what we've covered. Very well. Thank you so much, Lydia. It has been wonderful okay. talking to you. Thank you for inviting me. No, no, thank you. Really appreciate your time. I know you're super busy these days. 
on top of your work, this uh, suddenly opened up, but also it must be very professionally rewarding to be able to contribute. And uh, we are also very lucky to talk to one of the world's leader on this field. Thank you. Once this is over, let's discuss electric vehicle as well. Let's discuss electric vehicles, <laughs> yeah. Next time, when the flights start flying again and you are in uh, Australia again, we need to catch up somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I plan to go maybe September. That's my target. Let's see. Uh, let's my, see how uh, the situation, the, the, well, there's talk here about relaxation of the flying rules. So, and Sydney, right now, Sydney is reasonably safe zone, so... Yeah, yeah, only 50 yeah. per day, though, uh, 50 per plane, 450 per day. So <laughs> <laughs> people coming from yeah. overseas is a bit tricky, yeah. Yeah, but let's def definitely keep this on the agenda to talk about electric cars and, and energy in general. <laughs> okay, good talking Thank you. to you. Thanks for inviting Thank you. me. Thank and you. Bye -bye. Have a wonderful day. Take Have care. Have a nice day. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's show. See you next time on a similar topic. Please feel free to leave your comments behind and suggestion what topic we might cover next. Thank you.